Well, the big investment firms seem to be saying 2023 is going to be, at least the first half is going to be nasty, that we haven't really taken the inflation out of the economy. And we've still got supply chain problems and, you know, poor earnings that we could, we could actually see an honest to goodness recession. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, December 16th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone. I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove. And our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, I've moved this one to the top story, even though it got a little bit of media attention and it may not have any impact in our lifetimes, but and yet I can't help thinking, and maybe it's a fraud again, maybe it's just another delusion by scientists, but if it's true, I think the future will look back at this as the single most important event of the early 21st century. And that's the announcement by the Department of Energy that Lawrence Livermore Labs had actually been able to create practical, well, at least fusion at room temperature using a laser. They they fired up the material, heated it up, and it turned out to be an exothermic reaction. It gave off more heat and energy than it took in. If that's real, and we've heard this before, I mean, I think I've seen it announced three different times over the last 20 years, but if it's true, this changes everything. Yeah, it was actually 192 lasers pointed. It also has a nice local angle for uh, those of us in Silicon Valley. It happened at Lawrence Livermore National Lab, not far from where- Just up the road. Yeah, and uh, it's very exciting. And I think, you know, in the past, we've heard a lot of talk about, say, cold fusion that really didn't pan out. This is nuclear fusion, and it is creating more energy than it took to create that energy. And- and done. It's the stars. Right. And and even the um, the scientists are- you know, urging caution, saying they did this on a very small level. This has to be scaled way, way up to create enough power to say power a power plant, not to mention a house or a car battery or anything. But it is a start. And, you know, you just wonder how much and how big and how fast this can scale. It's obviously going to take a while. Even the optimistic scientists at the lab are saying decades. Uh, yep. But it is exciting just because it was done. And I think that's why it got so much attention. Yeah, 192 lasers. I mean, that's what you need for 10 million degrees, right? Is that the temperature of the sun's surface? And you've got to take, you're basically taking hydrogen and turning it into helium. I mean, that's that's an impressive thing at the atomic level. I mean, we've, we've known how it's been done for 100 years, 150 years, but to actually have it done here. I gave a speech right after the director of Lawrence Livermore two weekends ago. And she was completely tight-lipped about any of this. She didn't even hint that there might be something coming. It's exciting. Although, you know, it also puts more emphasis on our need to use solar power. I mean, after all, the source that we're trying to chase and copy hits down on our roofs and our, our planet every day. Um, and so why not use more of that while we're chasing this amazing breakthrough? But it is exciting. And it's one of those things uh, that really brings people together. It's just very exciting. It's sort of like, you know, the Orion uh, space capsule coming back and successfully taking those amazing shots of the moon. Uh, you know, it's these things that are created 
and uh, just sort of jaw-droppingly cool uh, that happen around us. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll take a while, of course, to perfect, but if it's actually true, you know, it was only 60 years ago that, you know, Noyce's integrated circuit with one gate appeared, and now we're up to tens of billions of gates and it changed the modern world. <laughs> this pretends to be an even greater revolution because it's clean energy with almost infinite supply. I mean, all of a sudden, the, the, the limiting feature on the industrial world, which is electrical power, suddenly gets taken off the table and we have all the power we need. And it's almost impossible to imagine how that will change every corner of our lives. Do we leave the lights on 24 hours a day? Why not? You know, every car electric, why not? Why not, you know, just waste power? If it's that easy to get and easy to use, why not illuminate everything, illuminate anything we want at all times? I mean, it, it, it's kind of interesting to imagine what's possible with this without wires you know, in theory, or you don't have to worry about the resistance in wires. All of a sudden, just pump as much electricity as you need into the wire and get it out the other end. There's more to come. It's an extraordinary thing to imagine. And if it's happening on our watch, we will have then lived through the invention of the semi of the modern semi of the microprocessor, the modern semiconductor, the modern computer, cellular technology and then fusion technology we would we if that's the case we are living in the most extraordinary time in human history amazing yeah i mean it kind of makes you want to jump ahead 20 years just to see how far we can get with this and like you say answer all those questions what will we do with it but it is exciting well my goal now is to live long enough to see it you'll be you'll be there you'll be a crotchety old man i just want to have enough runway so i can see those fusion powered lights at the end of it as i take off <laughs> uh okay uh next uh sam bankman free arrested uh in a bahamian jail right which is supposed to be a, a true shithole i mean it's supposed to be like a medieval dungeon now do you find anything coincidental about the fact that he got arrested by the Justice Department hours before he was supposed to make a Zoom testimony in front of Congress. Well, Do you think the powers that, the uh, powers you know, that they didn't want him talking? I, see, that's the thing. People say, oh, they didn't want him talking and that there's a conspiracy uh, to, to somehow protect him. <laughs> if his earlier talks are any indication, if there is a conspiracy here, it was his own lawyer saying, there he is, arrest him now. We need him to shut up because he's killing any chance of our case by talking to the likes of George Stephanopoulos. So him being in jail, oddly enough, gives his lawyers sort of a relief that maybe he'll stop talking for a while. They can't wheel in a computer and let him do a Zoom call from his, uh, you know, rat infested, uh, maggot infested, that's what I've been reading, cell in the Bahamas. Again, these are usually things that lawyers say, hey, give him a chance to speak. I'm guessing Bankman Freed's lawyers are saying, please don't let him speak anymore because everything he says goes on the record and he wasn't saying anything that really did him or his co-quote conspirators <laughs> any favors right. So I'm guessing that um, 
you know, Maxine Waters wanted to hear from him. A lot of people on Capitol here wanted to hear from him. The prosecution wanted to hear from him. I think his own defense team really just wanted him behind bars and quiet uh, and, and trying to put together some sort of a defense as all of these various dominoes are falling uh, piece by piece and day by day. Well, let's talk about his circle of conspirators, co-conspirators. It sounds like his girlfriend, erstwhile girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, I don't know if she's still his girlfriend, she appears to be maybe turning state's evidence and will become a witness for the prosecution. That's interesting since she's the one that got all that money to burn on investments from you know unwary uh, investors in, uh, in the company. And then now her, his parents, apparently, the ones at Stanford, the professors, are being investigated too as perhaps helping them out on this uh, operation. Right. Why don't we start with the parents? There are questions surrounding their involvement besides just being supportive parents. Apparently, his father may have been on the payroll. We don't know if they did anything illegal, but that's they're, they're close enough, certainly, to be investigated. As for the girlfriend or former girlfriend, um, you know, I'm guessing maybe she took a lesson from Sonny Balwani and said, hmm, instead of going along with everything and following the CEO to a likely long jail sentence, maybe I'll try to cut a deal like most white collar criminals do. Um I don't know what kind of a deal she would get, but um, it, it would surely cut down on on her future prison sentence if there is one. But yeah, all of these things are looking less like what Bankman Freed was saying. Oh, I got caught up in this and I didn't know where the money was going. They're looking more and more like, indeed, conspiracy to commit fraud. And I think that's why um, he is likely to go in front of a judge quite soon. I, I sense uh, in, in what the prosecution... Um, I just sense an eager prosecution to get this thing going uh, because everything up to this point has led to really bad news. And uh, just, I, I understand why there's so many fraud charges. Yeah. The stupid naive defense seems to be falling apart. And if this turns out to have been a performance for the last two or three weeks by him, uh, he ought to get an Academy award because we actually believed he was an idiot. I mean, I don't know how many people really believe that. Um, I, I don't think he did a terribly good job uh, while he was on camera during those interviews. I just don't, uh, because here he is uh, having led up to that moment with, look at me, I'm connected, I'm in charge, I'm running this show, I'm handling all this money, and then I'm caught, and all of a sudden I didn't know what was going on. Come on, that, that really, to, to me, and, and I'm not even a legal guy, it just wasn't very believable. And I think the more he talked, the more people were able to hone in on exactly what at least they think was going on with FTX and with Alameda as well. Did government regulators and um, even the media let us all down on nobody seems to have done any due diligence. Fortune put him on the cover. You know, regulators seem to kind of just kind of nod and go, oh, keep going, kid. You're doing well. I, I Something's is something going to come out on that? Is there a scandal on top of a scandal on this? You know, they did say that. They said that after uh, the Theranos trial and and there were some mea culpas on the part of the press. Um, and I think that's, you know, as as a member of the press, I think that's something we constantly and forever need to work on is is to stop building these people up. Um, and, and it's one thing to say you're on the cover of a magazine because you've in a very short period of time, built up a $32 billion company. But there's also room for skepticism there, which after all is our job to say, how did you build a $32 billion company that quickly, especially on the back of cryptocurrency, which we know is 
rift with shadiness and theft and fraud and worthlessness and all of these scams. Um, there's really no, what you really think <laughs> at this point to to build someone up on the back of cryptocurrency without asking those very obvious questions. So yeah, there's some culpability there, and I think uh, I think part of what uh, Bankman Fried seemed to do on purpose is to get a lot of uh, politicians on his side by making big donations, get a lot of the celebrity machine on his side by those advertisements and those appearances and those parties. Um, it just, he sort of built this creation of uh, wealth and success around him. And I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think enough people were asking questions um, on the part of government or the press. You know, I find myself asking, when did all this hero worship of young entrepreneurs start? And, you know, it seems to me it traces back to Steve Jobs, though, you know, he was actually legit. But even then, we didn't, some of us in the Valley knew what he was really like. But it wasn't until, you know, Walter Isaacson's book came out that a lot of people's eyes were open. And I, these, all these players, even including Elon, seem to be playing from the Steve Jobs script. And we give them a lot more credit. Jobs actually changed the world. He changed created trillion dollar industries one after another. Um, none of these guys except for Elon seem to be doing that, but we're buying into this image, you know, of the counterculture entrepreneur business hero. Right. And and that's got to slow down at, at least, if not completely stop, or at least more questions need to be asked. And um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, as, as someone who covers tech and who's covered tech for a long time, it's very true. We need to be asking these tough questions. And yet at the same time, um, there is a frustration, trust me, I feel this firsthand, of speaking into sort of the void when it comes to advising against uh, being excited about cryptocurrency or telling people, hey, Elon Musk buying Twitter is not really going to improve free speech. Here's what it's likely to do. And the Elon fans don't listen. And the crypto fans don't listen. And I've been this for two years to be aware of crypto. And I think people listen to it and go, yeah, but not my investment. I'm going to do well. Right, because somebody else has. And, and I understand the feeling of, hey, if someone has done this, it's possible that I can do it too. But again, I, I well, I can't, I, you know, I can't say this enough. But if you're thinking of following any of these people, just know that they are outliers, and because of their wealth and to an extent success, they are allowed to do things the rest of us aren't, and therefore they're allowed to tune out the tech reporter saying, "Hey, this is not good for free speech," or "This is not going to help build a crypto economy." Uh, but the rest of us really aren't. We're sort of getting caught up in that vortex. And when the stock you own drops 25% or the cryptocurrency you own goes bankrupt, um, you know, you're caught holding the bag and that's all there is to it. And so it is our responsibility to call these people out. But, um, you know, listen once in a while that uh, that there is skepticism surrounding even some of these leaders. Yeah, but there's also the whole amen corner of the trade press and everything else. I mean, I actually was there at the beginning of this. I was at Flint Center at De Anza College, the Macintosh introduction. And it was a pretty straightforward product introduction, but on stage with Jobs and, and you know the rest, there were trade press reporters on stage. I mean, I was always raised, you're supposed to be in a, in a you know, uh, 
adversary position with the power structures. They were on the stage. There were people wearing the free T-shirts, reporters wearing the free Macintosh T-shirts that came with the press kit. And you began to realize, wait a minute, journalism's not what I was raised, you know, to, to, as it was supposed to be. These are people that are advocates. And they're, they're, the advertising in their publications is paid for by the people they're reporting on. So how deep are they going to go? How much are they going to piss them off? They're going to stroke them instead. And it's been the same ever since. And you get a few reporters out there like you that are saying, no, no, no. The emperor has new clothes. This is fake. This is a lie. But you're being surrounded by this mass of journalists. I put that in quotation marks, journalists, who are saying, no, no, it's fine. These guys are great. Well, that's kind. But I would push back and say, I think the majority of people that you know I see out there on the business beats uh, are are really asking the tough questions. And I think it really comes down to, um, you know, there is just a fandom that has developed around these people and these companies, and in this case, these currencies. Um, and so we can beat against the walls all we want with warnings, um, but people aren't necessarily going to listen. And I mean, look, take cryptocurrency. Some people got burned by FTX, but not all that many people. It wasn't publicly traded. You and I couldn't have invested in it and therefore couldn't have lost money. Now, we could have exchanged some cryptocurrency, and that's risky enough. But Bankman Freed's wealth going from $16 billion to zero doesn't affect you and me. And it doesn't affect the overall economy because crypto is still just a niche market. And so that's healthy. Um, you know, The idea that these funds are taking investors' money and pouring it into FTX is not healthy, obviously. But look, I mean, if it was the banking sector instead of the crypto sector, we'd be back in 2008 talking about, you know, near depression times. So there is room for good, strong, solid business journalism slash skepticism about crypto. And I think that's why we're able to look at these FTXs and Alamedas from a safe distance. Most of us are because we yeah. know not to get too close to that fire. But I also know you're a, you're an internationally known business journalists, when you go to you go to most press conferences, you're surrounded by your peers. But you go to a, a lesser company with a with a smaller press conference. And I bet you you're very different from the rest of the people in the room. And if you ask a really challenging question, there's silence around you. Like you're you're an apostate to, you know, the the true faith of this of this product or this technology or this market. I mean, it depends. If there are other reporters in the room, no, they're encouraging that. Um, if it's just me and executives, yeah. And that's the oh, what we do, you know, when we go into that den. But um, but right, that's our job is to say, hey, I know you're all excited about this, but answer this question. You know, what does it do? Why is it needed? What's the purpose? What problem is it solving? Um, you know, these are the basic checkpoints sure. we do for every new product. And um, and yeah, that's why it's especially important, let's say, in an Apple event, which is really a, you know, a an big echo chamber of excitement and this is yeah, the cheerleading event yeah to say okay great here it is let's test it we'll let you know in a couple of weeks if it's really what they're saying um and uh, and by the way here are six similar products that you can buy for less money because that's important too yeah okay um well we were talking about uh uh your your your, your friend elizabeth holmes uh as representing part of this new reality uh you're never going to get away from this woman. Uh, apparently, she's now appealed her fraud conviction, 
and she wants her freedom until the appeal is over. What do you yeah, think? I mean, really expert, legal experts say success is real. Uh, her getting that it will be really a rare event in right. a federal. I mean, she and, and Balwani have really gone against all of the conventional wisdom when it comes to white collar, you know, cases and, and stuff. Most of them settle. They yep. decided not to settle. Most of them settle for just a few years. They decided to roll the dice and they've got 11 and 13 years respectively. And it's rare that they get the the appeal, especially this far in. Um, part of her appeal, even now, this late, and, and just as we speak, it came out, I think, within the last 24 hours, um, deals with, say, the Adam Rosendorf visit, the former Therendos excuse me, Theranos lab director visit to her house after the verdict, which was an odd thing to do, I'll admit. But the judge already rejected that in a previous um, appeal. And so I don't know how strong this one will be. It seems at this point, uh, what the lawyers are doing is trying to stall for time. Um, judge Davila has given her some time uh, because she is is due fairly soon to have a child and saying you don't have to surrender until April 27th. But um, I, at this point, it, what it seems they're doing is trying to stall for more time. I would be shocked if the verdict or the sentencing was overturned only because we've already seen many, many appeals trying to fight them and none of them have worked. Um, it was almost, I don't know if this is a, 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 you know, a fair comparison, but it was after the 2016 election and, and Donald Trump kept filing, excuse me, the 2020 election, kept filing lawsuits and each one Right, summarily dismissed. At some point, you just have to realize there's not much there. In different districts, can she take this higher? I mean, this is a this is a criminal case. Can she take it to a higher level of appeal? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be civil cases coming that they can try to bump it up to, you know, uh, a district court of appeals, or you know, even to the to the Supreme Court if they can get that far. I I don't know how that would work. I mean, this is federal court, so yeah. that's pretty pretty high. I mean, it was literally federal government prosecutors that that did the case against her. So I'm, I'm not sure where she goes from here, except seemingly trying to to get one of these appeals to stick. And as we know, so far, they haven't worked. Well, maybe we can get some of our lawyer listeners to weigh in on uh, where this you. might go from now. Okay, you mentioned, um, you've been talking about crypto. How's crypto doing after FTX? I mean, this was, Thursday was a horrible day for the stock market. I mean, I'm not sure how it ended. It was at nine, down 900 points at one point, partly because of uh, the Fed raising interest rates again and saying they're going to keep doing it until they kill this inflation. Uh, that wasn't a great motivator for the stock market. But also, my understanding is retail sales this holiday season are down, that people are running out of money. I mean, they're, the cash reserves of the average American are way down uh, from a year or two ago. I don't and know. It seems that the cash reserves are being spent from what I understand. I mean, remember Black Friday set records, Cyber Sunday yeah. set records. Uh, obviously now we're in the sort of, you know, buy and ship season or buy and maybe you have to pick it up because it's too late to ship season for Christmas. Um, yeah. You know, we're getting close. And, and from what I understand, I think it's going to be a pretty decent, if not really good retail season. Yeah. Uh, you've I, was, got... I was reading some market watchers and they were just saying, look, I think the market's scared that people are going to start slowing down on their buying. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, given that we're starting to see more layoffs and, and you know, inflation is is yeah. still keeping prices fairly high, not as but high as before. But um, 
And and right, it all sort of came together on on Thursday, you know, with the interest rates and people realizing. And I think again, what does the market despise but future uncertainty? And and we have that quite a bit. Uh, and so it seems like that was the impetus for the sell-off. Uh, and you know, where it goes from here, I don't know. I think at some point the retail sector will report whatever it has to report. But look, I mean, Amazon stock has been cut in half this year. And yeah. I don't mean to just say, well, so have the other tech stocks. I mean, Amazon in particular had a really good couple of years during the lockdown. It's still where a lot of people shop right well, sure. now. I think it's the bellwether. It used to, Walmart used to be the bellwether of the American economy, but I think it's Amazon now. Right. And the fact that Amazon has lost so much value, even while people are spending record amounts on Cyber Monday, shows you that the future is really uncertain for a lot of these companies. You know, just a couple hours ago, Adobe checked in with earnings. They were strong. People are buying software. Companies are buying software. That's a good sign. Uh, you know, Adobe also lost a lot of stock values. We came out of the lockdown. Um, it had a really good overnight on Thursday. So there is some optimism out there, but there's also a lot of concern and a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Well, the big investment firms seem to be saying 2023 is going to be, at least the first half is going to be nasty that we haven't really taken the inflation out of the economy and we've still got supply chain problems and, you know, poor earnings that we could, we could actually see an honest to goodness recession in the first half of the year. You know, we, we get very excited when, when the tech economy is good and yeah. we say, whoa, the world is booming because, yeah. right. And, and yet we know we're only a, a small part of the overall economy and there could be pain across the rest of the country. I think in Silicon Valley, we do the same thing. We're seeing layoffs and yet the rest of the economy is saying, wait a minute, there are two jobs open for everyone that needs a job in the overall economy. That's a pretty hot, you know, hot number. Um, and again, we're getting into our bubble and saying, but wait a minute, you know, these yeah. companies are laying Things off. Are terrible so, here. It must be true everywhere. It, it pays to take a, a wider look than just Silicon Valley. But for tech um, and, and even the cyber shopping economy, uh, there's still some question marks ahead. I tell you, the Amazon UPS trucks in my neighborhood are just, <laughs> they never stop. They're they are delivering until nine o'clock at night. And I think and, you've got another, you know, eight or nine days to do that. Yeah. And I, I've been a damn serious buyer for weeks now. I mean, there's always something on my porch. So if maybe I'll save the economy with my, uh, you know, wasteful spending this year. Okay. Uh, how about how's Cyberdome this week with all this bad news? How's how Cyberdome doing? doing? Yeah. How was what? We know the stock market collapsed. How about cyber prices? Cyber? Do you mean crypto? Yeah, I, I keep saying I'm, I'm such an old man now. I, I say cyber because it used to be called cyber currency. All right. Yeah. And I, so, I lapse into that, you know, on at various occasions. Right. I mean, crypto is still dangerous. Yeah. The, uh, the head of Binance, you know, CZ, as he's known, because all of crypto seems to have gone alphabetical, uh, was on CNBC you know, talking about possibly owing $2 billion in clawback because of the FTX fiasco, all he would say was very tight-lipped, we have enough money. You know, okay. our lawyers will handle that. That's not a good sign uh, yeah. when he can't even speak a couple of sentences to try to get. So I, I think crypto is still wrought with, with uncertainty and peril. However, oddly enough, Bitcoin has remained not anywhere near where it was a year ago when Matt Damon was yeah. talking about his commercials. Um, you know, that was like 66,000 a coin, but it stayed around 17,000 um, for, for several weeks now. And that surprises me a bit. I, I, people seem to be holding on to that to a certain extent. Um, but again, crypto, you know, we talk about tech being a, a small part of the overall economy. 
crypto is a really small part of the overall economy, which let's cross our fingers and hope it stays that way. Um, but uh, there is a decent, there are a decent number of people out there willing to uh, hold on to their their Bitcoin at least. You know, when an executive says we have enough money, he's really saying we think we have a big enough war chest to survive this fight. Yeah, um, I think this fight is is doing a lot of work there, <laughs> right? I mean, there are going to be other ones, and and he's looking at the FTX clawback and saying, okay, we can handle that. Don't ask me anything else, and that that's fairly significant. Do you think there might be any revelations from uh, FTX? As we get into court hearings and even perhaps a you know Senate testimony or something that will damage the entire cryptocurrency world. Short answer: Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> that was easy. Okay, um, Jordan sent us a very interesting thing uh, about Chat GPT, the that new AI app that uh, it's got a million users now. Apparently, people trying it. Were you saying? write a you know write a shakespeare take this scene and make it into a shakespeare play you know have have the president of the united states speak like a 20s gangster apparently this thing is a lot of fun but it's also a little frightening for some people because they call it the god moment or something where you realize oh my goodness this technology is so good now that I'm. I feel like maybe we're we're taking the place of God out there, and you know, it, it, this this thing is talking to me is a machine, and yet I'm believing it. I believe it's natural. You know, what right. do you think? Well, I think I, I'm not sure that I think we're taking the place of God, but I think we may be taking the place of writers and professors yeah. and teachers, and that that's scary enough um, because I have faith in those people as well. Uh, I think, you know, if you're a, a college professor or a high school teacher, how are you going to grade from this point out yep. that this GPT is really good at writing essays? Now, sometimes it'll make a an error and sort of follow on that error. But then again, we as humans do that too. It's oh, yeah. uncanny. Um, and I, I don't have an answer for it. And I it's funny because I think writing, obviously, it's it's my stock and trade and, and I'm very passionate about it. And, and yeah, I just I don't know what it means or what it will mean in a couple of years to be a writer if this thing grows and and morphs and and I just I'm watching it but kind of with a sense of of horror. Yeah, it's already better. Take it from me, it's already better than a sophomore's term paper. <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah, I can see your daughter <laughs> and tons of college students around America going. I'm just a few years too early. <laughs> I wonder if um, if it's even going to take a few years. I mean, I'll bet there are students right now giving it a shot because maybe oh, yeah. do the the reading and just let's try Chat GPT and see what I can do. And I'm really curious what's going to come back. It's you're bound to get at least a C. I'm pretty sure. You know, hey, that we'll wouldn't see. be a, that wouldn't be a bad uh, VC pitch. Guaranteed we'll to see. get a C. Imagine all the money that would flow into. Yeah, I mean, as a fourth generation journalist and a lifelong author, you know, my timing actually may be pretty good. <laughs> as I leave the stage, let the machines take over. They can take care of me in my old age in the home. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. We also have, interestingly, uh, I don't know if you call this a case of reverse doxing. 
Did you read in the last couple of days that Elon Musk, he claimed on Twitter that he had been harassed and stalked, he and his kids, and he took a picture of the uh on his with his phone of the person in the hoodie in the car that was doing the harassing then pulled forward and got the license plate and then posted that on twitter i mean is that is that the right thing to do or is that vigilantism i mean are you are you awakening the crowd to go after and and exact retribution on people right i mean you know musk is really i think uh I don't want to use any, you know, people are using terms like unhinged and crazy. I don't, I don't want to do that because I don't think that's what's going on. But I think there's some really bad choices being made. I mean, Yoel Roth, the former security uh, officer at Twitter, who stood by Musk after the buyout, um, has now been taunted by Musk to the point where he has to leave his home. Yeah. That's terrible. That's horrifying. Um, and Musk is not pulling back on any of that. Um, and so, yeah, there are privacy issues back and forth. You know, he took down the Elon Jet site because it was tracking his jet. You know, um, there are a lot of privacy issues out there, um, both on and off social media. And Musk is not helping by claiming to be a free speech advocate. I just don't think he quite understands yeah. what free speech is and, and what it isn't. Um, and so I, I don't risk or I don't wish him or his son or his family or anyone to be stalked. That's that's terrible. But to re to reverse it and to say let's post all this stuff on Twitter is also wrong, and uh, I mean we've we've got to get to a point where we figure out what's going on and keep people out of danger rather than putting them in danger. And finally, Apple seems to be is going to in response to those new EU standards. The report is it was I think it was on Bloomberg. Apple's going to allow alternative app stores. Is that real? I mean, the, the walled city, the modern Yahoo is actually going to let the outside world participate in its kingdom? Yeah, this may be the second biggest thing next to Fusion of the week, if this indeed happens. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a, a different app store with a different price structure and a different percentage structure? Um, that would be fascinating. To me, the biggest revolution that Apple has done, uh, you know, when it came out with the iPhone, is that app store. I mean, the creativity it unleashed the enormous yeah. wealth it unleashed both for Apple and for creators. I just can't imagine uh, in my small brain anything near that. I mean, it's just phenomenal how many people created apps. I mean, you know, we're talking anyway, about app. We, Twitter Steve is an app. Jobs, All these things were apps. Steve Jobs' fourth and last and maybe greatest creation. Yeah. You know, he did the hardware, but the app store changed everything. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing, and uh, so to to but but it also is now to the point where it's kind of bloated. The thirty percent is being criticized, understandably. It's been the the subject of lawsuits, so maybe it is time for an adjustment or several adjustments. And I, I'd be really curious to see what the you know the, those minds up in Cupertino can come up with uh, to perhaps have different I don't know categories or strata or whatever of app stores. But uh, that's a fascinating idea, and and I look forward to that being put in place rather and, mar soon. and market forces will get to work too, driving prices down. I think exactly. we're all, we're all going to be the beneficiaries of all that. Yes. Okay. That's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley business journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, anchor, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, LinkedIn, and of course, YouTube have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.